Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Pray and let's go. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this moment in time. And God, we believe now that you're going to meet with us powerfully. This isn't just going to be another message, but God, I'm believing that as, as I bring this word, that you're going to touch hearts, that you're going to bring transformation to minds, and that your name is going to be glorified through this. Father, right now, prepare us for what we're about to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As a, as a teenager in my late teens, when I got serious about Jesus, I heard all these messages about the importance of reading your Bible, because the Bible is God's words to us. And as we read it, God speaks to us. But as someone who's 18, 19, I used to pick the Bible up and I read it. But it was a bit like, um, it was a bit like um, stale bread. Now, I'm a bit of a, some people are coffee snobs. You know, any coffee snobs in the room? Yeah, a few. I'm a bread snob. Bread snob. I don't do stale bread. I like fresh bread. Fresh on the day. If it's not on the day, I don't like it. Anyone else like that? Two people, three. There's four bread snobs in the room. Five bread snobs. Amen to you. Well, it was, when I read the scriptures, it, it, was like, it was like stale bread. Like It was some good bits, but it, I wasn't really connecting with it. I wasn't really getting heaps out of it. And maybe that's how you feel when you read the Bible. But all that changed when I was about 21 or 22 when there was a guy in the church that I was a part of, and he said, Nathan, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I went, have I what? I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. He said, come to my house, and we'll uh, sort it out. Now, I, I trusted this guy, um, and so we, we went in his office and led me through a prayer around repentance, and, and then we prayed that God would fill me with his spirit. He got his guitar out, and we started to sing, and, and in that moment, I started to, um, God touched me, and it was gentle, and I spoke in tongues at that time, and, and, and I came out of there thinking, what was, what was that? That was, that was pretty, pretty special. But the fruit of that experience is that my level of intimacy with the Lord went to a whole new level of depth. And I wanted to worship. I wanted to pray. And the Bible became alive to me. It was like fresh bread every day. Because although I was a Christian, the Spirit of God, I needed to be filled with the Spirit of God in order for Him to give me a passion and a desire and even an understanding to, to, to uh, be in his word and understand his word. This is what happens when we encounter God. And this morning, today, I want to talk to you around the importance of encountering God. When you encounter God, when God touches you by his Holy Spirit, it has a massive influence on your life. It's as the Spirit touches you, it's where lives are transformed. It's where people get saved. It's when minds are renewed. It's when bodies are healed. It's when desires are shifted, when the passions of the flesh die. When we encounter God, things radically change, radically change for us. But often I think sometimes as believers, we do not prioritize the encounter. We do not prioritize creating, putting ourselves in an environment for us to encounter God. Maybe we're too busy. Maybe there's other distractions, other priorities. I wrote down some other thoughts. Maybe we think we can do life ourselves, and so we don't prioritize our need for him to encounter him. 
Maybe we are, don't see the need to change, or even we, maybe we think we're not even worthy of the Lord's help. And hence, we don't prioritize encountering God. Because God wants, God wants us to put ourselves in a place where he can meet with us, where we say, God, I am here, moving my life. And when we do that, he regularly does. And lives are transformed, healing, deliverance, radical transformation, as we have the power of God, as we meet with God by his spirit. I can tell you story after story in my life, and I'm going to share a few, just to encourage you. At the age of 17, um, I prayed a prayer as a little kid to become a Christian, but it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And at the age of 17, in January, I was invited to a conference in, in, um, up at Katoomba, and I said yes. I didn't, I didn't know what I was saying yes to. It was the first Christian conference, and, and on the Saturday night, this guy preached, a guy named Al Stewart, he preached on the, on the prodigal son. And it was in that moment, God touched my heart, and it just made sense. And, I, and God put this passion in, in, in me for him, and a passion for me to share the message of Jesus with others. It was at that conference, I heard that message, and God touched my heart. I shared the story about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and what that did around the intimacy I had with God. I remember in the year 2000, I went to my first Hillsong conference, and I, and I came out of the car park, and it was all good, and then I was about 20 meters from the building, and I went, whoa, what is that? I know what it is now. It was the Holy Spirit. I sensed the presence of God in that place. So much so that it was the presence of God beyond anything else I've experienced before. And it gave me a touch, a taste of the presence of God that I wanted more. And I wanted more. And I wanted more. And I still want more. At the age of 29, I'm a teacher. I'm on staff one day a week at LifeGate Church. There's another senior leader. A guy named Paul was running the church. I didn't want his job. I was happy to serve him. And I was walking around the backyard praying one day, and God said to me, Nathan, you'll be leading the church next year. I was like, what is that? And then that night I get a phone call from one of the elders saying, Nathan, the pastor has just resigned. These moments where I put myself in the position to encounter him and God speaks and moves in my life. Another time I, was in, I had this pain in my shoulder. I couldn't lift my arm up to here. Anytime I got to there, it was this pain in my shoulder. And one day I was standing right here where I normally stand in worship. And I had this pain. I was talking to God about it. And I sensed the Lord say, lift your hands in worship, Nathan. And as I lifted my hands in worship, I was healed. No pain. Never been. It's been like six years now. No more pain. Because the Lord healed me in that moment. I was leading worship at another church, at a church conference around worship. And I was leading at the conference. And I was teaching the musos and the singers. And then... We did the night session, and I, and I led him in worship an incredible time. And then the leaders said, Nathan, can we pray for you? I said, yeah, bring it on. So as I prayed for me, they prayed for me, and boom, I went over in the Holy Spirit. Now, I've never done that before, gone over. And I was like on the floor for maybe a couple of minutes, and I was like, well, that was pretty impressive. And I got up from that with the peace of God that was beyond anything I've ever experienced. People think some of that stuff is push people over in faith, but that wasn't faith for me. That I, no one pushed me over. I stood up with the peace of God that lasted for days that I've never, never encountered before. As I said, yes, pray for me. Last year, um, on our holidays with family in September, I was praying about next year, as in this year, 
next year, last year, this year. I said, God, what's our theme for the year? And it was there that he spoke to me about, Nathan, it's faithful. We need to increase the faith of the people of LifeGate Church. And hence, that's our theme this year. I'm sharing these stories with you because if God can do it for me, guess what? He can do it for you. And to also give you a bit of a picture of, of, of how this looks. Because in, in, in every story I've shared with you so far, it started with me. It started with me stepping out and going to a conference. It started by me saying, yes, I want to receive prayer. It started by me saying, God, I have this pain and being in worship and then being healed. It started by me saying, God, what do you want to do with LifeGate Church? I put myself in a position, I stepped toward him, and he met me there. And the scripture in James chapter 5, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and what, does it say? and what does it say? And he will what? Friends, there is this principle, when you choose to put yourself in an environment to encounter God, guess what he does? He meets you there. He meets you there. Put yourself in a position to receive from him, to encounter him today. Now, on the other side of that, I also need to say there are many occasions in our lives where God comes uninvited. For example, our conversion experience. Romans 5 says there's no way we can save ourselves. We're enemies, we're under his wrath. There's no way. There's, um, I was just listening to Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus talks about how people can get saved, and the disciples say, who can get saved? And Jesus says, what is impossible with man? Is possible with God. You cannot save yourself. It's impossible. And yet God comes and comes to you and grabs you and rescues you. You're not putting yourself in a position to receive from him. He runs after you and grabs you. And in your Christian life, as you do this Christian life, there are times when he comes uninvited because he loves you, because he knows what is best for you. And he comes and shakes you and grabs a hold of you because he loves you. But most of the time, most of the time, he comes when he's invited. He's a gentleman. He waits for you to lift your head, to open your ear, to stand in worship, to position yourself. And that's when he comes and that's when he meets with you. That's when he comes and he meets with you. Now, at the time of Jesus, the disciples, or not just the disciples, anybody who wanted breakthrough in their life, they just went to Jesus. And the scripture says that anyone who wanted healing from Jesus got it. Anyone who came to him and wanted healing, they got it. And I reckon if Jesus was still on the planet today, whatever your need was, you could simply go to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you? And yes, no worries. But Jesus is no longer walking the planet, is he? He's now seated at the, at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going. And they're like, what? The? And he says, it's better that I go. It's better that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. So Jesus got in flesh one place, one time when he was on the earth. Holy Spirit, all places, all times, omnipresent, always, everywhere. And the scripture tells us in this incredible verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 says, well, sorry, 2 Corinthians three seventeen. it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, what's the word? Freedom. Freedom. You need breakthrough, you need freedom, you need an encounter. God does that now by his Holy Spirit. God sends his Spirit upon us, who lives in us, who fills us, who transforms, who makes the way. God moves right now by his Holy Spirit. And friends, if we're going to see our lives transformed, if we're going to see healing, renewal, if we're going to see breakthrough in our lives, we need his Holy Spirit. 
We need to encounter God by His Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Today, what I want us to do, that was the introduction. I, have you been stirred? Have you been encouraged so far? Have you been challenged to get yourself in a spot, in a position to encounter His presence? Today, I want, to, I want us to look at the book of Acts. You know, as I was running the other day, I was saying, God, thank you so much for the book of Acts. Because the Gospels, we have Jesus walking the planet, and we don't have Jesus walking the planet anymore. We have His Spirit. So how does that, what does that look like? How do, how do we as believers minister in the power of the Spirit? Well, we have the book of Acts. Praise God for the book of Acts, because it shows us how the disciples moved. And I want to give you six ways today how the disciples encountered God and, and, uh, and what was the response. How many am I going to give you? How many? Six. Here's the first one. We see on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit coming and filling God's people. Here it is here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost, Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That is when, that is the, that is the day of Pentecost. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was sound. They, were, they saw this thing of tongues. They spoke in tongues, this fire of tongues, and they spoke in tongues. And then what happened, these people heard them speaking in this language. The people go, what's going on? Are they drunk? What's going on? Peter stands up, tells them it's Jesus who is the one who gives them the Spirit. It's he who died and rose and now ascended. And on that day, 3,000 people were added to the church on that day. They were filled with the Spirit. And what was the result? They were empowered and 3,000 people were saved. An incredible story. And it says those 3,000 were baptized. Baptized. Incredible story. How did that happen? How did that happen? Well, let's go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, where this is just before Jesus goes to heaven, um, Luke, who writes Acts, says that Jesus is with his disciples, and this is what he says. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speaking about, the Holy Spirit. Why were those disciples baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because they simply obeyed God. They obeyed Jesus. Obedience. Jesus said, wait. They waited, and they were filled. First thing about encountering God, friends, is obedience. Living a life where you are honoring Him. When you're living a life... When you're doing the things that he, want you to, that he wants you to do, you are positioning yourself to receive from him. Number one, obedience. Number two is around witnessing. What is a witness? A witness is someone who simply shares what they've seen, who shares what they've heard. A witness is someone who tells other people their experience. And we, I just read to you from Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus says, wait. And they did. That was obedience. And then in verse 8 of the same chapter, this is what Jesus says, but you receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what we see, as I said, on the day of Pentecost. They were obedient. They waited. They were filled with the Spirit. And then they told the story. 
And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. In the next chapter, in chapter 3, Peter, the same guy who spoke, is, is on his way to the temple. And there is this crippled guy on the side of the road. He says, can I have some money? And what do they do? They witness and say, I've seen Jesus do it before. I'm going to believe he's going to do it again. I haven't got any money for you, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and... And he went walking and, and praising God. If you know that song, whatever. Sounds awful. He moved on and he, and he was healed as they went about witnessing they encountered God. In, um, in Acts chapter 8, we read that persecution breaks out against the early church and many of the disciples, the, 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 the 12 stay in Jerusalem, but many of the other disciples scatter up and they go up to Samaria. And, and a guy named Philip goes up to Samaria and he preaches the message of Jesus to those people. Look what happens. Oh, I read that one, didn't I? Silver or gold I do not have. Let's go on. Those who had been scattered preached the word everywhere they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah, Jesus, there. When the crowd heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or, or lame were healed. See, as, as Philip went and witnessed, as he shared with others what Jesus had done, not only did people get saved, there was healings, demonic spirits left, there was a people encountered God as they went around sharing the message of Jesus, sharing, stepping out and doing the things that he wanted to do. In Acts chapter 12, we're told that the King Herod um, locks up James and has him beheaded. And the Jews really liked it. So he grabs Peter, who's also been witnessing, who's been sharing the message of Jesus, and his, and his intention was to also kill Peter as well. Look at what it says here in Acts chapter 12. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone around the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Peter's asleep. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. As Peter goes around witnessing, and he's locked up in prison. God meets him there. He encounters God by his spirit. An angel turns up and sets him free. And he goes and visits the other disciples. In Acts chapter 13, Paul goes on his missionary journey. And then in Acts chapter 16, we're told, as Paul goes on mission, how Jesus speaks to him. Look at this, four verses. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bith, all these big words, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of a, of, a, of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, it's as... Paul is witnessing as he's sharing his faith, God speaks to him. He leads him by his spirit. No, don't go there, but rather gives a vision. He says, rather go there. See, as you go about witnessing, as you go about living a life where you're sharing the story of what God has done in your life, what he's done in the lives of others, what he offers to other people, you are positioning yourself to encounter him. Now, two things so far. How do you encounter God? Obedience and witnessing. Now, I want us to pause for a minute, and I want us to look at these two things. Because when we normally talk about encountering God, we normally talk about worship music. 
God, I'm in worship and I want to encounter you. We often talk about coming forward, coming forward for prayer and getting the person on the prayer team to pray for you, lay hands on you. We often talk about you reading the word and God speaking to you on your own, being in a, in a gathering where God is there in the midst. And we, and, we, and, and we talk about these things and all these things are true. But I want us to also be aware of these two things and how the early church went about it. As they obeyed him, as they witnessed, as they shared the stories of what Jesus had done in their life, that's, that is when they encountered God over and over again. Because as you do the things that he wants you to do, you are putting yourself in a position to encounter him for God to move powerfully in your life. Witnessing and obedience. You are positioning yourself to encounter him. So how are you going with those two things? Are you, are you living a life of obedience to him? Are you deliberate in living a life where, you, where, where, where you're like the city on a hill? You're like the light that's not put under a shade cloth, but shining brightly for everyone to see, because as you do that, you're positioning yourself to receive from him. Amen? I said there's six, four to go. We're going to move quicker. Number three, it's this. The third thing's prayer. You know, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, as uh, we are told that the disciples are all together and they're praying. And in that community gathered together, they prayed. The scripture says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. In Acts chapter 8, verse 17, the scripture I want you to see. Oh, there it is there, 431. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were in a gathering. See this? It wasn't just one person praying. They were in a prayer meeting. They were in a prayer meeting. They were in the meeting with uh, Margaret on Tuesday night over Zoom. They were at our vision nights where we prayed together. And as we prayed together, God moved and filled them. The place was shaken and he gave them boldness to witness. Next scripture from Acts chapter 18. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You want to encounter God, get someone to pray for you, lay hands on you, and something happens when we lay hands, the Holy Spirit is released on another person's life. They encountered God as they prayed in groups, as one person prayed for another. You know, it's good to pray for yourself, absolutely. It's good to pray on your own. There is a beautiful intimacy in that. God meets you there, but there's something also beautiful about being in community, having other people pray for you. That's number three, prayer. The number four is preaching of the word. There's, a, there's this beautiful passage in Acts chapter 10 where, where, Peter, where, where Peter's praying and he's told in the vision or an angel, I can't remember, angel or vision, I can't remember, one of them, to go to, a, to this guy's house named Cornelius, who's a Roman and, he, and he's a God-fearing man. So in this vision, I think it was a vision, Peter then goes to this guy's house and Cornelius welcomes him. And Peter preaches this message about Jesus because God wanted him to be saved. He preaches this message. This is what we see in Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still preaching these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. There's something that happens when you sit under someone's preaching. As you sit here today, you are opening yourself up to what God, what are you going to do in my life today? God moves, God changes, God heals as you sit under the preaching of the word. Be in, be in church, gather together so that you can be encouraged by other people. 
Number five is around reading the Bible. There's another incredible story in um, what, what chapter is it? In Acts chapter, in Acts chapter eight, Philip goes to Samaria. The people get saved, and then an angel tells Philip to go down to this road on on the way to Damascus, because there's this Ethiopian man reading the Bible, and he doesn't know what he's reading. And so Philip goes down there and just happens to be there as they cross paths. And this guy's reading from Isaiah. He's reading about the Messiah to come. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, no, I don't get it. And then the Bible goes on to say, Philip went and told him. What does the scripture say? Let's read it together. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. You know, as you read the word of God, God sees it like he did for this this, this, this Ethiopian man. And you can encounter God as you read his word because his word is living and active. His word is God-breathed to us. And as we read it, God speaks. That's number five, the final one for today. Number six, it's worshipping through song. Are we keeping up? G'day, Paul, welcome. Good to have you here. Last one. Throughout the scriptures... Throughout the scriptures, we have people continuing to encounter God through worship. We see it um, as the walls of Jericho fell fell down as they worshipped and they marched around. We see as they worshipped God's presence come in the temple. We see David playing his guitar. I'm sure it was a mate and um, a messiah like Justin's guitar. And demonic spirits were driven out. We see battles won as they worshipped. We must not underestimate the importance of worship. It's not a sing-along. Growing up in church, I thought worship was just a sing-along and we sang theology, therefore we taught other people stuff because I heard the story of how the old hymn writers got the old work songs and they changed the words because people didn't read much at the time. And so by putting good theology to the songs they knew, that would then teach them the theology as they sung them, which is a great idea really, isn't it? But we mustn't... It's, it's not just about teaching other people. It's we are singing to God, which, which brings praise to him. But it puts us in a place, in an environment, to encounter him. The, the scripture says, Lord dwell, God dwells in the praises of his people. As we worship him, we are right in the center of his will. And we say, God, I worship you. You are good. You are great. That's part, of our, that's part of our prayer. That's part of our song. And we also say, come and feel me again. Come and feel me again. That's the Holy Spirit. We're inviting God to move in us powerfully. There's an incredible scripture in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in Philippi. They're locked up in prison. And this is what happens. Check this out. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I bolted it up. They're praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, surprise, surprise, there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. It's how often do we, hear, do we have buildings shaken when the Holy Spirit comes? Who would like to see more shaking? Maybe that's why we have cracks in our building. Maybe that's why. 
Amen. Wouldn't that be great? Hey, anyway, at once all the prison doors flew open, Colin, you have to fix it, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I, what must I do to be saved? They have an encounter with God. He knows. He knows it's not just. An earthquake doesn't loosen chains. An earthquake shakes buildings. It's a move of God. They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. You know, I've talked to you about the importance of encountering God today. It's as you encounter him, you can find freedom. You need your mind renewed. You're carrying some stuff around fear or a bad attitude or some sort of mental thing that's not thinking, you're not thinking straight, God can meet you and renew your mind. In your heart, you're carrying bitterness in your heart, or anger in your heart, or hurt in your heart, God can heal that. If you have something that God's called you to, if God wants you to step out and do something incredible for Him, you need the power of God in your life. You need Him to fill you, to give you boldness and power in order to step out and be His witness. God's called you to share your faith. If you're concerned about how people are going to respond, all you need to do is get filled with the Holy Spirit and that fear will run away because God will give you boldness. How did Peter go to prison and sleep knowing that the Herod wanted to kill him? He slept because he knew God was with him. He knew the power of God. He knew the peace of God. That's a Holy Spirit thing. You don't sleep in those situations. You don't sleep when your kids are sick, let alone knowing you're going to be killed most probably the next day. It's the power of God that breaks fear. It's the power of God that brings healing. It's the power of God that sets people free. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, altogether there is? One more time, let's read it together. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom to live the life he wants us to live. Freedom to share your faith. Freedom to stand firm. Freedom to get free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you're free. How do you encounter him? I've given you six ways today. Obedience. Live in a life of obedience. Live in a life of witnessing where you are simply sharing what Jesus has done for you, positioned yourself to receive. And then deliberately, God, I'm praying. I'm having someone pray for me. God, I'm in your word. I'm reading it. I'm asking you to speak to me. I'm coming to church. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm in the preaching that you would transform me. And I'm in worship right now, God. I'm going to worship you through song that you would meet me here. Imagine a church community. Imagine a church where people are deliberate to position themselves in a place to receive from him. To say, God, I want to be filled with your spirit. Imagine the transformation that would happen in those people. Imagine the change that would happen in me. Imagine the change that would happen in you. We're going to spend some time, next 10 minutes, positioning ourselves to encounter God. One of the ways is through worship. Come on, Aiden and the team. Come and lead us. And we're just going to spend some time worshipping him. We're going to worship him. We're going to position ourselves to receive from him. And as we do that, as you worship, if you want to open your Bible, open your Bible. I invite the prayer team to come forward and we're going to pray. Margaret, come on down. Bring your team with you. Thank you, David. Those people on the prayer team, come on down. We're going to ask you to pray. 
Because Paul, we read that when Peter and John went to Philippi, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I was speaking to someone this week in our church community and they go, you know, my, my, my Christian life, it's, it's dry. It's like the dry bread that I spoke about. It's like the dry bread and, and I uh, don't have a passion to read his word. I said, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And he goes, no. Nah. I said, we'll start there. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God move in you. Let God put a passion in you for his word. A passion in you for intimacy. And that happens, friends, as we encounter him. So let's stand. Let's worship. Those online, we're going to worship. You're going to join us. Pursue him. Invite him to meet you here. Let's encounter God together. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.